0: Welcome to the Nostalgia Test Podcast, the show where two longtime friends put their mainstream pop culture past to the ultimate test. The Nostalgia Test. Well, welcome everyone to another episode of the Nostalgia Test Podcast. I'm Dan Dissinger here in LA, and I'm here with my longtime friend and co-host, Manny Coelho there in New York. Manny, how you doing tonight?
1: Oh man, I'm I'm pumped tonight, Dan. <laughs> yeah, tonight special night. I am pumped. What's up, everybody? Yeah. If this is the first time at the Nostalgia Test Podcast, this is where two longtime friends put our pop culture past to the test. But tonight is a special, <laughs> special episode. Yeah,
0: awesome episode. Like we're super psyched today. We have an amazing guest with us. Uh, one of the directors of the Nickelodeon documentary, The Orange Years, Scott Barber. Scott. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. We are super excited.
2: Oh man, the pleasure's all mine. That that's cool that Dan that you're in uh, Los Angeles, Manny, you're in New York. I'm in Texas. So we got like all the time zones represented. Oh, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> that's,
0: East
2: that's Coast, it. West Coast, and Third Coast.
0: That, there you go. That's our pot. I love that. Like this coast, that coast, and here over here. Yeah. That, and we can do that type of thing. I'm so glad. we were able to do this because yeah in normal times i mean it would be really tough to kind of even get this together so yeah why don't you uh tell our audience a little bit about yourself and um what you what you're up to and a little bit about the uh the orange years
2: yeah well my name is scott barber and i'm one of the directors of a recently released documentary called the orange years the nickelodeon story and the name kind of spells it out it's a documentary about the origin and uh, kind of what I consider the golden years of Nickelodeon, the 80s and 90s. Uh, It's a real nostalgic, fun look at some really cool times uh, with some people that were really breaking ground and doing crazy revolutionary things. Uh, Adam Sweeney was my co-director on this and we kind of like to say uh, that our tagline, if you will, is you fell in love with the shows, now it's time to find out why. So, um, you know, there's all these shows, we kind of noticed that everybody was super nostalgic for 80s and 90s Nickelodeon. When you talk to somebody about that and you bring it up, people's eyes just light up and they're like, oh, remember Hey Dude? Remember Are You Afraid of the Dark? Remember Ren and Stimpy? Remember Double Dare? There was just this real strong reaction from people of a certain age. And we kind of dive into why is that? You know, was it just an accident or was there something more there? And obviously (laughs) I feel that there was something more there. Uh, there were some people doing some amazing work to understand kids programming in a really unique way. So, yeah, that's kind of in a nutshell who I am and why I'm here. Um, Scott Barber of the Orange Years.
1: Uh, well, Scott, I just gotta say, yeah, all the lists that you just came up with. So, at, on in our podcast, when Dan and I talk about what's the next, what's the next test we're gonna do, you basically this documentary is basically <laughs> gave us all this content. I'm like, oh, we gotta put that to the test. There's things that I even like forgot about and then as soon as it came on on the documentary i was like singing and humming the theme song to doug like i hadn't thought about doug in years and then i was like oh my god like i loved that show and like i was thinking the same thing like why is it because like the the 80s were that good and the 90s were that good or was there something else like what was it about the shows why were they so good that is it Are good shows like that now? Are, mm. are there shows out like that now that are doing to the same things that they did to the kids now like that they did to us as kids? I don't know. But I was happy you came up. I got to say, I watched this documentary twice already.
2: And, uh, <laughs> oh, <awesome. laughs> I'm probably
1: going to watch it like three or four more times yeah. because it was just like, I was smiling ear to ear the whole mm. time. And then yeah. to kind of hear the, even like how you got the interviews that you got is what I really want to know. Because, <laughs> like, it was some, I was like, Whoa, a Clarissa. I know. Whoa. You know, like, I was like, Oh my God. That's awesome. Like, that you were able to reach out to all these guys. And, you know, yeah, they were really willing to tell the story because it was such a great time. It seemed like to, to work and be mm-hmm. part of this whole thing growing up.
2: Yeah. It is crazy the amount of people that we got, you know, because I've been working on this documentary for so long. You know, we started in 2017. But wow. sometimes I have to take a step back and go, man, it's crazy how many people from all of our favorite shows we got. You know, we, we actually had to cut it off. We could have kept going. You know, I mean, realistically, we could have filmed this thing forever and still gotten <laughs> more and more people. But that was certainly a chore. You know, mm-hmm. this, this documentary is, it, it is a total labor of love, a small indie film. Uh, a couple of guys with an idea that then got to work with a bunch of other people. You know, other producers came on, other camera people, editors that that just liked what we were doing and and joined the party. But that's all it was. It's not. There's no big studio behind it. So uh, <laughs> when Adam and I decided to, uh, you know, do this documentary, and uh, w- at first I don't think we quite understood how challenging that was really going to be to get that many people. You mm-hmm. know, we always joke if we'd done a documentary about one movie or one show you get that cast and crew five to 10 people and you're good. But we're talking, you know, 20 shows over the span of 20 years. So it was a huge undertaking. Yeah. I. Yeah. Go
0: ahead, Manny.
1: I was go ahead then. Uh, I I spoke too much. No, that's
0: no. (laughs) I was going to say that, like when you when the documentary started for me, and then you had the president, uh, you know, the former president or former CEO or the leader, really, uh, uh, for Nickelodeon. She was the idea that she had behind Nickelodeon, and the you know, from a teaching background, everything, and to make programming that didn't speak down to kids Mm -hmm. I never looked at it that way but then when I when you guys like put together the clips of all these shows and how they were created and the touch of narratives and things that they were developed that developed I was I was blown away and 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 just it made sense like it made so much sense that it was like yeah these shows didn't talk down to, to kids they they spoke like to them directly in like their language. And I, I was really I was really like uh, taken aback from that part. So it was really amazing that you were able to get her to kind of like really open up about that whole kind of development uh, of the Nickelodeon.
2: Yeah, Geraldine Laybourne was mm. awesome. And we were so grateful that we got to interview her for the doc. And thank you for saying that, uh, I really appreciate that. It means a lot to me because that was really our goal was to explain why was it that these shows connected with you? You know, what was it that was different? Uh, And it's something that, yeah, as a kid, you didn't think of because you're a kid, you know, you're just like, oh, I love this show. I love it. And in a way, it's kind of like your parents, you know, you don't really realize how much cool stuff your parents did for you until you become an adult yourself. You know, you're like, oh, my parents, blah, blah, blah. And then you're like every single meal. they cooked for me everything that they did all the late hours working (laughs) was all for me you know it's like wow i kind of treated them like crap kind of took them for granted (laughs) you know (laughs) in a way it's kind of like nickelodeon you know we just we watched it and we thought it was awesome and now it's like we're taking a more journalistic look at why we all we all all of us that are of that age had that same reaction to these shows because let's be honest there are certain things that we like just because it was on when we were little kids right you know Mm -hmm. um I don't want to offend anyone uh, listening, but like Poison is a band that I get happy whenever I hear them. And I know completely full well, it's only because it's eighties music and that's, it's not good. It's, (laughs) it it reminds me of being a little kid and hearing Poison on the radio, you know? Um, And there's certainly things that we like just because it's from the eighties and that's when we were kids and it reminds us of being a little kid. Uh, And I just don't feel like Nickelodeon, Was that? I think Mm. that there's something more to
1: it. So poison wouldn't pass the (laughs) nostalgic test. If you put that to the test, I guess, like you would say, it stays nostalgic. It doesn't. Yeah, I would say so, but that's just me. Funny that you say. Like anytime we were thinking about shows, the fact that Nickelodeon came up so many times, like the 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 roster is just insane. Like yeah. yeah, Disney's Disney has its own thing, and like there was a part in right in the beginning of the documentary when the logo came up, and I was like, I was just thinking in my head before it even came up in the documentary. I'm like, this is like MTV for for kids, mm-hmm. and then the fact that the guy who did the MTV logo helped with yeah. the Nickelodeon logo, yeah. I was like, oh my god, that's why I connected that. You know, this was like the. You know where you went to like get messy and and watch yeah. crazy shows where like Disney is like it's a formula. You know it's good and there's always a tearjerker. I don't hate on to- Toy Stories. I could watch Toy Story for days. That's yeah. also Pixar. But like there's you know Disney is Disney. But Nickelodeon was like just so much fun. Like yeah, I just remember anytime Dan will bring up a a, a show, I'm like oh that was fun. Like I don't w- yeah. I almost don't want to put it to the test sometimes because I'm like. I don't want my childhood to be ruined. Right. (laughs) Don't do that. (laughs) So I was so happy that Mm -hmm. that part came up with the logo and stuff. I really wanted to know was I saw your crowdfunding commercial, if you will, video, which is awesome because I love that you did like a homage to every single show that you liked.
2: (laughs) Like
1: you had the camp, um, camp nostalgia instead of camp. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, Oh man, that's (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the Pete and Pete set up, you know, like on the thing. You did so good about like setting up the way um, each show was. And um, I wanted to know like the crowdfunding that you got, did you get a good feedback from that?
2: Yeah, we did. Um, and that's, it's so funny. I, I still love that, uh, that goofy crowdfund video, you know, because we were, we were like, how do we convey that what we're trying to do and pull on those nostalgia heartstrings and let people understand what we're trying to do without, we didn't want to use clips from the shows because at that point we didn't know if we were allowed to. Right. Yeah. So we're like, what if we just recreated it with us? Yeah. And, uh, and, and it was, I, I shot that, but I was also in it. So it's like I would set the camera up and then go back and then we would edit it and, and all that stuff. It was just, it was crazy. You know, you, we did get a good, a good feedback. Obviously the crowdfund was successful mm-hmm. and that was one thing Adam and I decided was the crowdfund is a great test. If the crowdfund isn't successful, that means the movie shouldn't be made because nobody wants it. <laughs> Nobody's into it. It's just us, yeah. you know? So um, so that, that was a great thing that let us know that there was, that was the first time we got an inkling that it, it would be successful. And there were other people out there that would think that this was cool. The one thing that I would urge anybody thinking of doing a crowdfund for a film that we did wrong uh, and what I think would make your crowdfund even bigger is, shoot some of your movie first and then do a crowdfund (laughs) because you know when we were showing that crowd we quit showing it to people because they're like wait what is it a movie about you guys are y'all in it we're like no it's a documentary Mm -hmm. we we were showing people this video that didn't look anything like the documentary the crowdfund video is just me and adam acting goofy Um, so i wish we had shot like maybe four or five interviews and edited it together because ultimately that's what we did do we took that crowdfund movie uh that crowdfund that was successful, that money. And we went to Los Angeles and we went to New York Mm. and we just got a crap ton of interviews. Both. We stayed like five days in New York, five days in LA. And we were just filming like four or five interviews every day. Wow. So um, Yeah. I mean, we had like 20 interviews after our trip after both of our trips. Mm. Um, And then we cut a little fake trailer together before the movie was even out. Mm. We just cut a little fake trailer together. And after that, everything was so much easier because when we would would show it to people, people knew what we meant. Yeah, They knew what we were talking about because we could show them and they could see that the film was going to look good. You know, we could light a shot, we could get good audio and we could edit it and we knew how to do all that stuff. Uh, So we debuted our little fake trailer at um, New York City Comic Con in 2017 and that's when it really blew up. That went kind of like, I don't know if you'd call it viral, but you know, we went from having like four or 500 people on our... Facebook and Instagram to like four thousand. Wow, it like blew up, and people were talking about it, and it was getting written up. So that's what I wish we had done that from the very beginning.
1: <laughs> what um, <laughs> what I was gonna say? Did you when you first started? Like the, obviously, the some of the interviews aren't linear, but like, did you find out things that you were like, oh my god, we have to put this in it, and like it just kept building and building and building because of that. Like speaking to you know an executive or an old. Illustrator and you're like, what? Oh, like they did Mighty Mouse, like they, yeah. They, they, and you dubbed it, and you Garfield was dubbed. Like my mind was blown, and that was yeah. not a American show.
2: Yeah, like, and it kind of worked out well for us that some of the interviews, for example, Geraldine Laybourne was the last interview. I mean, she's the main interview. She's yeah. the, her story, <laughs> and she was the last interview that we ever filmed. Wow, and that that actually worked out well for us because we could have cut the movie; it wouldn't have been nearly as good. But we were actually already cutting the movie. We thought we weren't going to get her. Mm-hmm. So all of her stuff, there was no stress. We already had all the soundbites we wanted. We were able just to ask her more philosophical questions. Mm-hmm. Um, we had all the timeline stuff. First, Nickelodeon did this. Then we did this. Then, you know, then it, all that stuff that's more just like narration was already done from the other people. So we were able to ask her why instead of when or how. It was like, uh-huh. why did you do that? And her questions were able to be a lot more from the heart instead of from the brain because we already had the brain type stuff. And we also, by that point, we we knew so much about her because we had interviewed all these other people (laughs) about her that we knew exactly what we wanted to ask. Jim Jenkins, the creator of Doug, was also one of the last ones that we did. And, you know, he was also somebody that was instrumental in Pinwheel, one of the early shows.
0: That was amazing. Do you
2: remember Pinwheel? I remember Pinwheel. I remember when it was a show on Nickelodeon. I don't remember when the network was just called Pinwheel and that was it.
1: Yeah. I only remember when it was a show. Also, I, when you, when you guys showed the turtle. Holy nostalgia. I, my, yeah. like my lit, I was born in 81. So I don't even know how old I was when that show was out. But I, I was like, it w- there was corners of my brain that were like, no, that turtle. I knew, I know that. Turtle. Yes, totally.
2: I, know I, know so I, I was yeah. like. I loved that show and I love plus and minus. I thought they were way cooler than Bert and Ernie because they were like kids and they had like (laughs) pinwheel was kind of like Sesame street, but it focused more on like imagination than like just learning, just hardcore. Here's your ABCs. Here's your numbers. Here's addition. It was more imagination, but because of all that other stuff, we were, we knew that he was instrumental in pinwheel. So we're able to get him to talk about that. So I would say it is kind of cool to do some interviews early and then some interviews later, because then you know where you're missing. Like we, by the time we did like uh, we did like one final round of interviews where it was like Geraldine Laybourne and Drake Bell and Vanessa Coffey, who was executive producer of all the Nicktoons and oh, is an amazing human being, and then uh, Jim Jenkins, creator of Doug. We interviewed all those like a year later than the rest, so it really helped us fill in. We already knew where the gaps were, so mm-hmm. that really helped us.
0: Her part of the documentary was I, I was. Blown away, you know, to think that, right, it was Rugrats, Doug, and then Ren and Stimpy or something yeah. like that trifecta of animation coming out of Nickelodeon. I was just like, you can't get a better, like, th- you couldn't get yes. th- better three better cartoons cre- and brand new. And that's the other thing, like, what was great about Nickelodeon, what watching this documentary was just like how much Nickelodeon, it was just all original content, like the original content, it was like an original content machine. It was just yeah. like, we're going to make this like ours and and just constant. And it was and the imagination that went into it, but also the freedom to kind of make shows um, and for creators to like have so much of a say as well. Um, And that collaboration between um, creator and executive and so on and so forth. And it was like very team oriented. I, I was really, it was really amazing to kind of see that. You don't think that like, especially with, television and movies that that kind of collaboration is happening because it's a moneymaker this was like right you know we're creating something together
2: yeah they were breaking new ground they were writing the rules and that was one thing that we really wanted to stress in the film is you know now nickelodeon is nickelodeon it's this big thing (laughs) and shows you know like like doug and rugrats there's lots of cool cartoons you know there's steven universe craig of the creek um gravity falls and then for adults there's you know rick and morty and uh, Bob's Burger, stuff like that is all over the place now. Really cool animation is going on right now. And Nickelodeon with the Nicktoons is kind of where it started yeah. because before that, the only cartoons were there were no cartoons that were kind of for adults and kids at the same time, like Adventure Time and all that stuff. Right. Um, and they were the first people to do that. And also to make a cartoon that was really a cartoon and not just a commercial for a toy. That That's was right. always oh. really, you've got a toy how do you mar- market this toy? You put a cartoon out. Literally the cartoon is an afterthought. It was just a way to sell toys. And Nickelodeon was one of the first people to do that. And it's one of those things where you don't think about it now. Cause it's everywhere. Mm. It's like, these are the people you have to thank for that. Yeah. That was one
1: of my favorite parts of the documentary where they said at first, you know, obviously, like you said, now Nickelodeon is a marketing machine, but like before that, and it, and it it speaks to the the documentary of why these were the golden slash orange years. Like, because they weren't trying to sell us anything. They were just trying to make us just give kids things to watch and be happy about and stuff. And then it's like, it, it, that kind of speaks to like, why maybe that's why it was so great because they weren't thinking about what toy they needed to promote right. that, that week or, or yeah. month or year. Or what's next? Or we got to build the, you know, the Batman or the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle thing or whatever. So we got to put them in a scuba gear. And it's like, what? <laughs> and then yep. like, you know, I thought that, I thought that was awesome to see. And then all of a sudden see how everyone started to leave once things turned into the marketing machine. And not that they, yeah. did, they ate it, but it's like, well, inevitably like it it's fine because like i think about it as a small business that i am I'm like we're a small nano brewery eventually like the the projection is that you want to continue to get better bigger and bigger and bigger and then eventually it's like well do you does your quality go down so you can make become more successful or do you stay where yeah. you're at so it's like unfortunately they have investors and the investors are like Exactly. Oh, now yeah. we're here and we've plateaued where do we do now toys and it's like yeah log <laughs> like, you know, yeah. which by the way i it's, it's i still think that the log song i still sing that log song yeah me. it's yeah. great i mean dude. come on how yeah. classic is that you yeah. know it's so it. good yeah so dude. the cartoons were sick they were, so they were. and like you said dan like those three the trifecta yeah. i love how they think they, they say like the Rugrats, they were ugly babies. And they are like, yes, yes babies are cute. And yeah. they all look weird and stuff. And I'm like, I love the drawing. The illustration of it was great. They, and just like, I can't tell you which of the three I like more, though. Mm, yeah. yeah, that's really hard. That's really yeah. hard.
2: They're all great in their own way. And isn't yeah. that crazy, though? You know, usually you have a couple of missteps and mm-hmm. then you hit it big. But literally, Vanessa Coffey said, I think you should make, Nick, you should make cartoons, your own cartoons. Cause like you said, in the early days, Nickelodeon just bought cartoons from other people. Like they played Looney Tunes or Mighty Mouse or whatever, but she said, you should make your own. And they said, cool, go find us some cartoons. And literally the first three were Doug, Rugrats, Ren and Stimpy, like she three home runs. Those shows are still huge to this day. If you go into like a, like a hot topic or like Urban Outfitters or whatever, like the trendy store is for like young people, those shirts are still there, like oh, still yeah. to this day. Yeah. yeah. Um, those, it,
1: those those three crazy. won't, those I don't three. think, will ever go away. No. Yeah, I don't. I mean. No. And and like,
2: yeah. yeah Rocco is like considered like the honorary fourth mm. original one because it came out right after those.
1: Right. And, yeah. Uh, yeah.
2: And it's great. But Doug Rugrats, Ren and Stimpy. And Ren and Stimpy, that's a perfect example. That show was on Nickelodeon and MTV literally at the same time.
0: Yeah. That so, show
2: was amazing
0: and i love how they opened up being like we didn't really know what some of this stuff was and they were just like throwing these jokes in there yeah yeah, no one knew was like getting past everybody and i was just like yeah but as a kid you don't know then all of a sudden as an adult you hear these things like wow they let that they let that go right through like that was happening (laughs) i know (laughs) totally
2: (laughs) it's crazy that and and i will plug it there's a great Ren and Stimpy documentary out there that's that I think is great. If you like The Orange Years, I think a great companion piece is Happy Happy Joy Joy. Uh, it's very different because The Orange Years is very much like a triumphant, like super fun film, uh, gets you pumped up, and Happy Happy Joy Joy is much more of a dark, uh, but it's I mean, it's a fantastic film and it's all about it's just about Ren and Stimpy. Just wow,
1: Wow. oh yeah, Um, I I thought it was interesting that they were part of another an ensemble of animals and like yeah she's tri- she's like no no just the dog and the cat
2: just these guys yeah <laughs> just
1: those two like yeah. put those into a show i was like oh, that, yeah, that
2: shows you of- how genius she was Van- uh-huh. vanessa coffee she she first of all the fact that she could see talent she could spot talent because mm-hmm. of the hundreds of different people that came in doug rugarts and Ren Stibby, those are the three she chose and she also kind of helped shape them all like like you mentioned, uh, you know, Rin and Stimpy was originally going to be this huge gang. I think it was called Our Gang. It was either yeah. Our Gang or Your Gang. And it was this big group of a bunch of people. And she's like, no, 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 no. Focus on the cat and dog, and that's something. And obviously, she was 100% right, you know, yeah. and uh, Rugrats, the same way. You know, those, um, Klasky Chupo is the animation company that created uh, Rugrats. And they went on to do a bunch of other stuff like, are uh, real monsters they've done three or four other cartoons for nickelodeon afterwards uh they did the original simpsons when it was on the tracy ullman show
0: oh Whoa. you know what that makes a lot of sense that's yeah. so okay now i
2: i see and that they, uh, yeah when it got picked up by fox they were like eh we don't really want to do that whoops <laughs> i mean you can look at that either way like oops, yeah <laughs> but then they but then they also did go on to do their own cool stuff you know they had three or four ideas that mm. uh that vanessa coffee was like no no nope and finally like well i mean The only other idea we got, we don't even have any drawings or a script. We don't have anything. It's just an idea we came up with um, is like a bunch of babies that whenever the adults uh, leave the room, they talk. And she's like, that, do that, (laughs) you know? They didn't have, there were no drawings. There were no characters. It was just, that's what they said. It's a show about babies that can talk whenever the adults leave the room. And she's like, boom, go for it. And then look what happened.
0: Unbelievable. What's funny is while this is being recorded, we released a new episode today about Guts. And um, yeah, and like that, too, like we were talking about game shows, like and stuff and how Double Dare, just like that show was amazing. Mark Summers, first of yeah. all, but I just want to say Mark Summers, <laughs> the stuff that he said in your documentary, just I laughed out loud every time when he said he ripped the microphones out of that thing. Oh, and my gosh, I
1: know. Yeah. <laughs>
0: is gold he is gold and and i'm so glad what was it like was he like very i mean it seemed like he was very like open and forthright with the, yeah like, interview.
2: he was awesome he was great and what's even cooler is you know um i mentioned happy happy joy joy he's got a documentary that's still coming out um, wow. but he was working on it at the same time as us and he's still doing it and it's about his life Ooh. uh and it's called on your mark oh um, yeah and it that's and funny. it deals with with his life i mean he's led a crazy life he was a comedian he was a magician and then you know he he was uh you know he was on nickelodeon uh it's funny people either know him as double dare or the unwrapped guy like a lot of people really know him from unwrapped which is a food network show and uh you know he's dealt with ocd obsessive compulsive disorder and now he's doing like a one-man show he's an amazing guy and he was like yeah i'm gonna give you all stuff that's not in my documentary." So you can only imagine like the stuff that he gave us was so gold. Wow. What's going to be in his own, you know? Yeah. He's- that's
1: crazy because he gave up a lot of things. Like when he yeah. talked about the kid who got hurt, yeah. I was like, whoops. <laughs> yeah. I was ah, like, that was that would not fly nowadays. You want to talk about nostalgia. Yeah. We've actually put that double dare to the test too. Uh, in so one funny. of our episodes and th- we've oh, said it, me. we said it was, it was so low budget, but so yep. much fun and how crazy like we said that Mark Summers was so wit- like Dan like loves how like quick he was like yeah he, like was like yeah. all right move on he was so
2: all quick right. and what I think made him so awesome you know I couldn't have put this into words as a kid because I didn't understand it but now looking at it is he he treated that game that game show Double Dare the same way uh, you would treat a game show with adults yeah he he acted exactly the same he, it was like he wasn't even talking to a kid. The same way that like Bob Barker or Pat Sajak or Alex Trebek, he put the same professionalism. He wasn't like, okay, little Billy, are you ready to do the physical (laughs) challenge? He wasn't, he was, he was, I mean, you look at him and you can't even tell he's talking to kids. He's just speaking to them the same way. And that's what made that show so awesome. He didn't wear a wacky costume with a weird bow tie. He just wore regular clothes. And I think subconsciously kids picked up on that of like, oh, sh- you're treating me the same way you would treat my mom or dad. Cool. Like I'll watch you. I'll, I'll invest in you. Yeah.
0: yeah. I-, I remember watching it as a kid and that's what, I love that part because it wasn't like we keep, like we said in the beginning. Like it, it wasn't talking down to me. It could have been as crazy as it is. Like, yes, with all the double dare stuff, <laughs> you like getting getting dirty, doing these things, throwing ping pong so all that stuff, yeah. or spraying people in the face with cr- all that stuff can fly. It doesn't matter because he was just treating everybody. Yes. You know, like like a person, not yeah. like yeah. hey, like you said, like hey, little Billy, blah blah. He was just like, yep. welcome to Double Dare, let's do this." What do you and- want to do? You want to take a
2: physical <laughs> challenge? You know, yeah. yeah. He was awesome.
1: <laughs> the best is how fast. Like the- <laughs> there was one time in the beginning, we've we saw some episodes where, like, if a trick, if a physical challenge wasn't working, he was just like move on like, he's, he's
2: like
0: <laughs> yeah. oh, no, you won. it's
1: good.
2: over you got okay, it. okay
1: that's good move I was like, You know, it,
2: to... D- double dare is one of those shows where i think it does hold up absolutely it's awesome it's a great show the, you know and they did do a um, a revival they they rebooted double dare recently and i think i mean i i have no idea because i'm not in with nickelodeon even though i made this doc so i don't <laughs> know why it it, it it only lasted a couple of seasons but if i had to guess it's just that The culture kind of changed. Kids aren't as into that as we were. You know what I mean? Like young kids aren't as into like trivia as we were. Mm. And I think some of that is, and again, this isn't good or bad. It's just simply the way it is. You know, is it like, you know, if back in like, let's say you're hanging out with your friends in 1995, you know, and you're like, who was that dude in that movie? Who was that guy in that movie? You know, and none of your friends know. And you're like, I know it was Steve Buscemi. You know, you looked awesome because you're the guy that knew it. Now it's like, who is that guy in the movie? It doesn't matter because we have the ability to look anything up on our phone. So the idea of having a bunch of knowledge in your brain doesn't really matter. You don't need to. So that's all I can guess is just Mm -hmm. that it it wasn't as kids don't really connect. I've noticed like my kids, because I have little kids and I watched all the old Nickelodeon shows with them. And for whatever reason, you know, they thought the physical challenges were cool but they really didn't like the questions. They just didn't care. Yeah, Uh, They kind of, I could, I watch them zone out at that part.
1: That's funny. You said that there are times that when Dan and I are doing this thing, we're like, Oh, we sound so old, but I'm just like, the way I said it with double dare was that there's so much content now that kids could just pick up and just like watch something else. Yeah. Like you said, like that, Yeah, I never, I didn't think about the question thing. I was thinking more about they've seen gross. They've seen true they've seen this, they've seen so many other things. Kids are doing so many, they'll sit and watch kids play video games. And I'm just like, yeah. But like, you're right about the, it's almost like useless knowledge that you had that friend that, you know, Yeah, about the duck. Uh, you had that friend <laughs> that um, knew everything or it, it, what I loved about that kind of question of like, who was in that movie or what was that show? Was that, you had about an hour of conversation with your friends uh, trying to figure it figure out, figure it out. Yeah. Now it's hold on. This is yeah. it. No. Yeah. And then the conversation is over and then you're not really hanging out with your friends anymore. Cause all you're doing is like, Oh, that's a, that's a, that's the job for Google. And it's like, wait, that's a job for us just to talk. Like yeah, it gave us like a chance to totally. hang out with each other and be yeah. the person, yeah. you know, now it's like, I'll oh, just Google it. It's like, what? like come on it man. takes like, the fun out of it
2: for sure yeah. yeah
1: your whole like social skills get to be like destroyed a little bit because yeah. of it you know like you no one's like trying to go through the six degrees of like yeah oh, he was in that no i think he was He that? that's not the same guy that's not the same, yeah you know? so guys if you like um nostalgia test podcast please don't forget to like and subscribe
0: yeah subscribe and like, like follow and us on all
1: social media Outlets that you can find us and where you can get podcast PodBeam, Spotify. i <laughs> Apple. <laughs> well,
0: Scott, did you end, did you ever go to the Nickelodeon studios and universal? Uh, that, I,
2: no, I never did. I, I wish I could have, especially now after working on the doc and watching all these other people who uh, I, we, uh, some of uh, one of our producers, Sean Cough, and he did go. Uh, and he, he filmed it. So we used some of his footage in the movie. So watching his vacation and stuff, it's like, uh, oh, damn it. This, uh, I wish I could go, but I never uh, got to.
0: Wow. That's what that was. Cause I was wondering, I'm like, I wonder where they got some of this footage. And that's amazing that that was like home video. So yeah, we got movie. it all over
2: the place. Like, um, oh. we got it from like old promos. And then we also, like, I would just find YouTube. And if I saw somebody with some cool clips, I'd email and be like, hey, can I, can I use some of your clips in my movie? Oh, uh, wow. Mo- the majority of them are always like, yeah, sure. I don't care. Just throw me up in the end credits and you can use whatever yeah. you want.
1: That's so, awesome. I always yeah. wanted to go. I remember yeah. and I never went to universal studios and I was like, Oh man, I can't wait to go there and try to, I always, there was a thing with me and you probably found this out Like, I always, I told Dan, I was like, most of the kids on the show are probably actors that just needed like extras that needed the job. And I was like, did, did real kids actually go on the shows? Did they, I don't, I was like questioning it. I was like, that kid was probably trying to get a job on a commercial and they were like, (laughs) hey, go on Double Dare. And I was like, I can't believe that they're real. So were they, I guess they were real, like kids?
2: Yeah, like the contestants on the show. Yeah. Yeah, they were, they were Ah. just regular kids. Um, Ah. Well, there
1: was an, I know that there was the episode that Mark was like, we're live on Double Dare and you could come here too and audition. And I was like, wait, that was real? Like I literally thought it was just, you know, some actors who needed work.
2: There probably were some people that wanted to get into show business that were trying to get on the show for that. Like, uh, AJ McLean, McLean from, uh, Vax NSYNC, one of those bands, he was on an episode of guts. (laughs) Oh, really? (laughs) Yeah. You can look it up. If you look up like AJ uh, uh, McLean, I think it's McLean. I always say it wrong. Uh, uh, but he was on an episode of guts. So, uh, maybe that was because you know he had an agent like oh you should go yeah. on a you should go yeah. on a, a game show anything to be in front of the camera. Well, sure. like
0: some some of the people from some of the other shows too on on Nickelodeon yeah. were on like Hidden Temple or Arcade. Which when I saw the clips from Arcade for Nic- I was just like. it just brought me back immediately i was like oh wow that's how they did that like the everything was on a blue screen and you had to i mean it was just amazing how they thought these things up um to kind of even create something and hidden temple i have to say is probably one of the greatest game shows have to be like ever created like ever (laughs) like that was one of the greatest things i've ever seen
1: but it's yeah. funny what Scott said about the trivia thing. I think that show won't hold up right now because uh, kids would just be like, I just want to see them run through the temple. I don't want to solve all these questions and stuff. Cause like there was a lot of questions in the hidden temple thing. There were. I, yeah. <laughs> I've seen a couple episodes cause Dan, I wanted to put it to the test one time. I'm like, let me just watch this. I'm like, Whoa. Like there's a, there's a lot to just to get to the temple. It's like, yeah, there yeah. are. It was yeah. great though
0: some of the what other stuff when we were talking about how like kids nowadays, like whether these things will, you know, resonate with them. And I think about some of the, the you know, uh, original live action should like original shows that they created. And I'm like trying to think like, what would Clarissa explains it all? Like translate, like, you know, cause I mean, that show was great. Melissa Joan Hart, like the, the interview you guys did with her really opened up like this whole world of that show. And also how, all of these kind of shows also and how diverse the the casts were and how a lot of the shows were elite led um by you know girls as well as the main characters i and it was like telling these other stories that we weren't getting and nowadays like you kind of see like almost like a scale back on that and almost like when i saw clarissa i was like it almost reminded me of blossom and that and that mm-hmm. idea of like she's telling her story she's breaking the fourth wall and it's like but she's also, like I just said, like she's not interested in the kid that's climbing through her window. She's like an independent feminist. Like when I said, like Clarissa Explains yeah. a feminist. I was like, that makes so much sense. That was
2: like such an eye opening like moment in the in the doc. Oh, thanks. Yeah, that I mean that was an important show, yeah. you know. And, and I think that's funny that that that's another example of how Nickelodeon just broke all the rules. They nowadays it's all about a formula and buzzwords. Like even in the limited experience I've had, people like you can tell they're taking like, when we're trying to sell the Orange Years, people like Nostalgia, 90s, Nickelodeon, they put that into a computer and see how much money they can make out of it you <laughs> know, whether or not they want to buy it. And wow. they, did, they did the opposite of that back then, you know, where it's like, Clarissa explains it all, like everyone was saying this show is going to fail because everyone back in the day said, boys will not watch a show where a girl is the main character. They just yeah. won't. And that was like the rule. That was like the rule of, of kids programming. And, uh, and Nickelodeon was like, yeah, they will. specific, specifically, you know, Geraldine Laybourne and her team were like, yeah, they will. They will. They they just, you've never tried it. You've never made a good show. That's the problem. Let's do it. Let's make a badass show. And, uh, and boys will totally watch it. And I totally did. I loved Clarissa. I loved Alex Mack, both (laughs) of those shows. I loved And I never, I never even thought about it as, as a young boy. I was never like, Oh, I'm watching a girl show. I never even thought of it like Mm. that. Like, yeah, it was amazing. And it's awesome
0: yeah that's it's funny how like when uh geraldine her approach to everything i think for me the the thing that stuck with me the most was her approach like her confidence and yes. the the way she just was like we're doing this no matter what right like yeah. doing this and it really put like for me right up front being like well without her that this doesn't like there's no way that these things happen like she really yeah, had a vision absolutely. Yeah, she just moved forward with that.
2: One hundred percent, it wouldn't have happened without her. You know, because and we show that what Nickelodeon was like before that, where it was kind of like a low budget PBS. It was on yeah. its way out, <laughs> and, and, and really, whenever we were doing research, uh, when we found out about her pretty early, you know, because she's a huge part of Nickelodeon. But when we were, when I realized that the same person was president and responsible for, you can't do that on television, mm. which was one of the first shows I ever saw, all the yeah. all the way back in the, <sighs> the early '80s all the way through all that and Keenan and Kel, it was the same person guiding it through all of that. That's when I was like, Oh my God, you know, like yeah. that's, I, I really want to do this movie. That's whenever I got really excited about it. I was like, I really want to do this movie. I really want to tell this person's story. Cause that's freaking crazy. Like she shaped a whole generation. There was nothing like that before. And really, I mean, there's nothing like it afterwards. But no. you can definitely see how much stuff was influenced by her for sure. Oh yeah
0: even Pete Pete when I saw when oh. we were showing clips of Pete Pete uh and the, the I think there was a description of it being like a Twin Peaks type of yeah I was just like holy yeah it's a totally yeah it was just the way it kind of like played out Th- those two guys too like that interview was really awesome because mm. it, it really it really explained a lot but also like it just showed how much imagination and being yeah. imaginative and free yeah was so important to making these shows successful.
2: When you yeah. think about it, when you say, I love 80s and 90s Nickelodeon, or even just 90s, let's just say 90s, I love 90s Nickelodeon. What does that even mean? Mm-hmm. You know, like Pete and Pete, which is this very surreal, like Wes Anderson and Twin <laughs> Pete had a baby. It's just very weird show. Are You Afraid of the Dark, which is like a horror show. Red oh, and God. Stimpy, which is like a weird demented cartoon. <laughs> uh, Salute Your Shorts, which is kids oh. at camp. Clarissa, uh, Double Dare, Nick Arcade, none of these shows are like each other at all. No. You know what I mean? That, and that's, no. I think, the beauty of, when you say I love 90s Nickelodeon, there, it, it means so many different things because they, they definitely did not have a pattern that they continued. Mm. All of those shows are totally different. Like, find any two shows that were similar. There's not, they're all, they're all different. They weren't, they were constantly trying new things. They weren't like, oh, let's do, uh, you know, we did a show about Clarissa. Let's do a show about another girl. Like, or, you know, oh, we got a show like that's kind of like about horror. Let's do another horror show. Or like, it was yeah. always different, you know? Cause I mean, even, you know, the two shows that really from that point that, that, that had really strong female leads, Clarissa and Alex Mack, those shows are nothing alike. You know, <gasps> Clarissa was like a multicam sitcom about an everyday uh, girl. Alex Mack was like a single cam more cinematic show about a girl that was like a superhero. Uh, Mm. this kind of had action mystery. I mean, those shows were nothing alike. None of the shows were anything alike. They were always doing something different. Mm. That's what blows me away the most. Mm.
1: Yeah, man. Uh, I was, I was really happy that you got, um, a lot of people from all that. And yeah. I was like, wow. Like that. Oh, what's his name? Uh, No, Keenan. Keenan. You got Keenan. Keenan. Yeah. Like, you know, this guy is like right now on Saturday. Oh, I know. Killing it. Like, killing it on Saturday Night Live. I know. He came on Saturday Night Live. I'm like, oh my God, I'm so happy for him. And it was because, like, I knew him growing up. Like, yeah. I felt like I was friends with him. I would be (laughs) watching those shows all the time. And I was so happy to see him in Saturday Night Live. I'm like, he belongs there. Like, this guy was. Yeah genius growing up and Big now time. he's there and the fact that he said I was like he must have really been happy to sit down because he's got to know that his career is because of Nickelodeon like yeah. Nickelodeon helped him oh like, yeah be where he is right now
2: I mean the first thing I have to say is Keenan Thompson was just the nicest person like it's so refreshing whenever good things happen to good people you know and that guy like you said he's blowing up now he's got his own tv show you know yeah been on saturday live longer than anybody in the history of snl um i mean he just hosted the kids choice awards on nickelodeon you know to get to sit down with him and talk with him uh on our very small indie film you know uh was amazing and he was so nice and so gracious i could not say enough good things about him and i think that also shows the power of nickelodeon you know there are people like keenan thompson who's one of the biggest stars in the world christine taylor who you know was married to Ben Stiller, was in the Brady Bunch movie, Dodgeball, huge A-list star, Uh, Graham Yost, who wrote for Hey Dude, who went on to write (laughs) Speed, Band of Brothers. (laughs) Um, That's crazy. You know, Ann Sweeney, who is like one of the higher ups at like Netflix now and like lives in a huge mansion. All of these people like could have easily been like, hey guys, good luck, but I I don't have time for a little small Mm -hmm. documentary for free. You know, I can't do that. Uh, Melissa Joan Hart, you know, she's still killing it. Seriously. She was directing, Yeah. She was directing uh, an episode of The Goldbergs whenever we interviewed her. Um, oh, really. Um, yeah. So I mean, it shows you how powerful Nickelodeon was that all of these really powerful, important, successful people were still willing to talk about it because mm. it meant that much to them. Just the same way it meant something to us watching it, it meant so much to them for getting to be a part of it.
1: Mm. That feels really good. That that's that's that, that's awesome. Yeah, I, I'm really happy yeah. you said that, that they're still like, I wanted to ask you, like, did you have to talk to Nickelodeon and tell them that you're doing a documentary?
2: So, yeah, a funny thing is there's something called fair use that we, we researched, we read a book on it and we talked to some other people and then we actually hired the guy who wrote the book uh, <laughs> to be our lawyer. Um, <laughs> really? it's all, yeah. It's called fair use. And I think it's one reason why like documentaries are really booming right now is, You can make a documentary on anything and show clips from it Mm. and you just have to cite fair use. And you, you, there are laws like how long you can play clips and you have to get a lawyer to sign off on it and get insurance. So it's not like it's super easy, but it's certainly easier than paying like $30,000 for every five second clip. You know, like you see how many clips we use in the movie and they were all fair use, all fair use. Really? Uh, Like I said, we did have to pay for a lawyer. Uh, to, to sign off and say, I approve and say that this is all fair use. Uh, and then we had to get insurance for that as well. So it wasn't, wow. it wasn't totally easy, but it was easy compared to, like I said, paying thousands of dollars for cl- hundreds of thousands of dollars. But one of the things that they told us was just because you legally can do something, just because you legally can do it, doesn't mean that you should be like a jerk about it. You know? So they said, we always recommend you reaching out to people first. And saying this is what we're doing we're doing it do you want to be a part of it if not no big deal i just want to let you know that i'm doing this hmm. so we sent nickelodeon uh, an email just saying like hey we're doing this love <laughs> love to have you be a part of it and they were just like didn't even respond they're like yeah whatever
1: they're like uh, we we sell gack now
2: no <laughs> yeah exactly but what's funny is you know there was a happy ending there because you know they just kind of didn't really care about us and threw a couple of weird things our way uh and then at the very end a guy named Brian Robbins became the president of Nickelodeon. Right as our movie was wrapping up, Mm. Brian Robbins, who was a writer on all that, became the president of Nickelodeon. And he's one of the biggest Jerry Laybourne fanboys of all time. Mm. Uh, Under his watch, Double Dare came back, All That came back, and uh, now Rugrats is coming back, and Are You Afraid of the Dark has come back. So clearly he has reverence for the Orange Years. And he reached out to us and was very nice and was like i i I think this is cool i'm glad that you guys are doing it i just want to let you know there's no opposition from us like we support what you're doing and that was huge that was huge that's huge um, yeah you know when you're trying to sell this movie there are people like hulu that buy i mean grant i know now hulu is owned by disney or whatever but before that you know (laughs) like everything's owned by disney i was
1: gonna say (laughs) what is not owned? what is (laughs) not but
2: you know like there are places that buy stuff from Nickelodeon that have a working relationship that, with Nickelodeon that right. maybe would be hesitant to do business with us because it's like, eh, if I buy this unauthorized Nickelodeon story, is Nickelodeon going to get mad at me and not want to sell to me or something like that? Right. So being able to go into meetings with distributors and plat- streaming platforms saying, the president of Nickelodeon, Brian Robbins, is totally cool with this. It, mm-hmm. he, he gives his stamp of approval. It, it meant a lot to us. So it started out somewhat antagonistic and ended up like super positive and awesome.
1: Did you just do this for, since 2017? Are you working like your production company, you guys obviously have a production company or is it it both of you guys or just a a group of you guys that have this production company?
2: Yeah. This film was kind of interesting. It was like a bunch of different people that all have their own stuff going on came together to work on this. So we all have our own stuff and um, we all pretty much have day jobs. So we were doing this in our off time, mm. uh, for sure. I luckily um, I have a day job that is in the same business, shooting and editing. So that made it really easy and really flexible for me to be able to do the movie. Wow, that's cool. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was good because I
1: was like, man, there's no way they were surviving just on crowdfunding, and
2: yeah, no way. I mean, we got like, like tw- we got twelve thousand dollars from that cr- crowdfunding. Oh wow. Know? not a lot Jeez, um you know like and honestly the majority of it was legal fees because like i said you know you, you fair use it's cheaper than buying the clip because realistically i have a good friend i don't want to say good friend i i'm a fan of this guy and now i know who he is so he i consider him a friend even though he might say something different <laughs> He's like oh yeah that little nerdy nickelodeon guy but a guy named randall Lobb, uh randall Lobb is just a fantastic director he directed uh, a movie called Turtle Power, which is a documentary about the teenage mutant ninja turtles, <laughs> and he also directed a He-Man documentary called Power of Grayskull. Wow, uh, and to he's just a. Both of those. <laughs> they're great. They're great. Turtle Power is great. Turtle Power is so much better than the um, Toys That Made Us episode. Oh, really? Of turtles. It's like that, but like
1: tons of a million,
2: way oh, better. Yeah, Randall awesome. Lobb is a, a super talented guy. Anyway, I, you know, I talked to him, and he did his documentary before Fair Use kind of was becoming more mainstream. And yeah. he was telling me like, cause you know, he had to play clips from the cartoon, the Ninja Turtles cartoon. He had to play clips from the Ninja Turtles movie from, you know, universal, all this stuff. And he was like, I mean, it was like crazy amounts of money for each, for like a five yeah. second clip. He was, playing, yeah. he was paying like so much money. Whereas, you know, we just paid a lawyer one fee to go over it and say, and, and you look at the movie. I mean, we play clips left and right. You yeah. do. We play so many clips and we didn't have to license them. But we did have to pay a hefty fee because we wanted a good lawyer and, and travel. I mean, uh, travel and legal fees were mainly what we did because, you know, we shot it. We used all of my equipment to film it. For the most part, there were some times where we hired another camera person. But uh, and we just stayed on people's couches, you know, <laughs> um, and used whatever location we could. We were really scrappy. I'm really proud of how how much we did with so little. But yeah, I mean, twelve thousand dollars. Yeah, there's no way two or three people can go off that for a couple of years, especially like I said, the majority of it went right to travel and lawyers. That's where pretty much all that money went because we went to, we went to Los Angeles twice. We went to New York once, we went to Canada once. (laughs) Wow. Uh, And we went to Toronto and Ottawa. (sighs) And then we went to, we took a special trip to Nashville and then we took a special trip to Georgia and that was it. But, and you guys are
1: like best. Are you guys like close friends?
2: Yeah, you know, Adam Sweeney and I, we were friends back when these shows were on. We watched those shows together. It was a big, that was kind of why we wanted to do it. Yeah, so it was it was a blast. And you're
1: both in film, or are you just like, only you are, and he's just, he does other things?
2: Yeah, we both were. You know, Adam is a really talented journalist and a really talented writer, and I shoot stuff, and I edit. And that's kind of why we decided we wanted to do a documentary was, It kind of seemed like it could put both of our skills to good use and so we we kind of used our our skills together to this is your first
1: documentary
2: it was my first feature-length film i've ever done both of us oh wow um so yeah this is
1: an amazing feature-length film
2: (laughs) Uh, (laughs) thank you you. like yeah
1: i was blown away by it blown away i just want to the 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 clips the, the way you set it up like the, the, the everything the storytelling of it is so, it's so good it's like yeah. unbelievably good I,
0: I love that you got that story from Keenan for about Coolio from oh my that. gosh. oh yes. my God. <laughs> oh shit. that was the greatest story <laughs> and then Coolio and then you got Coolio like to me like. I think, like we keep saying, it—that's the power of that moment of Nickelodeon. That people I know, are like, of course, I want well, to talk
2: about that. That was like, a- you know, yeah, you know, to to kind of tack onto that point, Nickelodeon didn't talk down to kids. All that was very much like a Saturday Night Live or In Living Color, but for kids. But the musical guests they got were still adults. It's <laughs> yeah. not like they were getting little kids. Like, okay, we got to get Hanson and uh you know another bad creation and that's all we could get <laughs> as little kids like they got i mean it was like freaking coolio tlc um you know people like that like legit like yeah grown up adult people oh. the fact that we got coolio was so amazing that's like, awesome that shows you the power <laughs> we just we hit him up and we're like hey man um you want to be in this nickelodeon documentary like he's done so many other things with his life. You know I mean? Yeah. I think that like when Weird Al has parodied one of your songs, you're legit Americana. Like you are a big yeah. deal if, if Weird Al parodies you. And he's had a Weird Al parody his song. And we just hit him up and we're like, hey, man, um, we see you're going to be in LA. Um, can we do a quick interview about Keenan and Kel and all that? And he's like, yeah, man, I'm going to be at my hotel from about this time to this time, swing on by, and we'll just do it. And he totally did it. You know, he just was like, yeah, come on by. That's fine. Did, that's
1: like, awesome did you just so did, nice. did, did you be like yo can you sing gangsters paradise just
2: just fine. <laughs> i know right <laughs> that's
0: amazing wow wow like, what I a cool guy you know i mean
1: cool. yeah <laughs> that's awesome yeah that story with uh, dan like you said that story was great when he's like <laughs> that we're all kids around and you smell like a billowing of marijuana
2: like, <laughs> yeah and the uh, to kind of tack on to that story, it's not in the movie, but they talk, uh, Keenan and Lori Beth both talked about that a little bit more is, you know, all that, the, the cast numbers were a pretty wide gap from like the oldest to the youngest. Mm. And also not just that, but it's, it's where every year counts. You, you mm. know, like you think about it, there might've been some people that were like 12 or 13 when they were on all that. And then some people might've been like 17 or 18. That's mm. very different. You know, that's yeah. a very different point in your life. And you could tell like the little kids like, what's that smell? And the older kids are like, oh, I know what that is. Yeah. (laughs) They said there was this very clear line between the kids that were like young, were like, what's that weird smell? Did a skunk get in here or what? And like the older kids are like, it was almost like a rite of passage. Like, do you know what that smell is? Yes or no? What's that weird smell coming from Coolio's dressing room? If you know what it is, you're officially a cool kid. That's hilarious.
0: That's amazing. Oh my God. I can't believe you got that interview just like that. Just like
2: I can't either. And you know, one thing I got to give props to so many people because, you know, I feel like it's always like the directors of movies that get propped up. And the the analogy that I use for this movie is that Adam and I are kind of like Sam and Frodo. I don't know if you guys are Lord of the Rings fans. I'm a huge Lord of the Rings dork. (laughs) But, um, you know, like Sam and Frodo, it started out as a small thing in the Shire. But then we quickly got a fellowship of all these other amazing people that, uh, that worked on it. You know, one of the first people that came on board was a guy named Sean Cawthon. He's another Texas guy. Adam and I are both from Texas. And another Texas guy uh, named Sean Cawthon was like, hey, I see what you're doing. Like, y'all need somebody else. I'm really good with the camera. And he had worked on some TV shows like MTV uh, and stuff like that. And we're like, yeah, sure. Come on. He seemed like a real cool dude. Like, so sort of like, yeah, come on, man. Let's do it. Let's, let's, uh, let's bring you on. And uh, I learned so much from him. He really was, he, he's credited as our cinematographer. I mean, he really did so much more than that. Oh, but cool. uh, he's credited as our cinematographer because he kind of shot the most of it and kind of set the vibe for how it was going to look. Uh, yeah. And he's one of the first people. And then uh, I saw a documentary, um, a guy named Tommy Avaloni, who's, who's become a real, real good friend of mine. Again, I would consider him, Tommy, if you're listening, I consider you a good friend. I hope you consider the same of me. But uh, Tommy Avalone had worked on a documentary um, called Ghost Heads. That's about Ghostbuster fandom and Ghost and Ghostbusters the movie. Wow. And uh, Tommy couldn't work on the documentary because he was working on something that was kind of competing. And I wish with all my heart I could have worked with Tommy. But I am working on a doc with Tommy now. Nice. Um, and I swear I-, I won't go off on any more tangents. But
1: um, That's a nostalgia test tangent.
2: Tommy, Oh, it's okay. The two <laughs> we, other we have guys tangents here. Uh, to two other guys who are much like, uh, Dan and Manny, you guys on both coasts. One was a New York guy and one was an LA guy who both worked on ghost heads with him. Lee Leshin and Bill Parks. Um, they came on board as producers. So when we were in LA, Bill kind of helped us out. And when we were in New York, Lee kind of helped us out and those guys helped us out a lot. Yeah. And we, when we interviewed Elisa Reyes, who was awesome, she's on all that. She's amazing. She's like, Hey guys, I want in. And we're like, what do you mean? She's like, I don't want to just be interviewed. I want to be part of this. This is good. Oh, Nobody had wow. asked us that before that. She was the first person to do it. And she goes, I want to be a producer. Let me, let me, let me come on board and I'm going to help you. And so we're like, okay, cool. Yeah, like we, help us book some interviews. Like not even joking the next day. She's like, hey, I talked to Kenan Thompson, Cal Mitchell, uh, Larissa Olenek. That's Alex Mack, uh, Phil Moore. Uh, they're all close personal friends of mine. And they all said they'll do it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> like, wow. dude that's awesome
2: yeah no nah, man it um, takes a
1: village to, to make a, village. a film it and does all those
2: people they helped us out uh so much and and then lee leshin uh once we had that trailer cut that i was telling you about that debuted at new york city comic-con he's like hey can i show this to my friend uh adam f goldberg can i show it to him and we're like you mean adam f goldberg from like the show the goldbergs and he's like yeah he's a, a friend of mine I, I worked on him on another documentary oh, called wow. back in time and we're like, yeah, you can definitely show him. And then Adam F. Goldberg came on board as an exec producer. And then it was like, oh, we're cooking with gas now. Wow. Yeah, awesome. man.
1: It was gas- like a snowball effect,
2: it, it like really rolling was.
1: down a hill, like just getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Yeah.
2: And, and then, you know, when we came time to edit it, you know, I, I'm an editor. That's what I consider myself first and foremost. I love to edit, but I also knew I'd never edited something of this magnitude before. Right. Um, and I also knew, you know, this was a challenge. Because we got to move quickly, but not too quickly. It was like, this is really difficult here because we got to give every show its day in the sun, but we also got to move pretty quick because, you know, it's got to be like 90 minutes, 120 minutes max. Uh, <laughs> especially, especially
1: nowadays. Especially get- nowadays. nowadays. Everybody,
2: everybody, if they want to buy your doc, everyone wants it to be as close to 90 minutes. There was a guy I was a fan of uh, named Bradford Thomason who had directed a documentary called The rock fire Explosion that was all about showbiz pizza. And then he'd also... <laughs> Yeah, it's great. <laughs> and then uh, remember how they had that animatronic band? It's a fantastic doc. And then he had also directed a documentary about Glow, the gorgeous ladies of wrestling. Oh, wow. And, and I was just a big fan of his editing style because he knew how to take things that were kind of nostalgic and pop culture but not make it feel like the toys that made us or something like that, like m- could make it feel a little more artistic, a little more, you know, like a, like a real piece of art. He was good at that. And so uh, he came on board and helped us edit it and it wow. was awesome. He, he was, he was immense. So I got to work with a lot of mentors of mine and I got to meet a lot of new friends. And like you said, it takes a village and we worked with a lot of amazing people Our opening credits. If you get to see that, they look awesome. Uh, that was Bradford's wife, Allie Clark. Wow. Uh, she did that all herself uh, wow. and it looks awesome.
0: Yeah. I would say like this, this doc has so much heart to it. You could tell like everything is just so, like it, it hits the nostalgic heartstrings, but it's it's past that. Like it's got a thank lot of you, heart. You. you know what I mean? And yeah. the one thing that really stood out to me too was even that you guys even didn't leave like almost anything out. Like you touched on Nick News, and yeah. that oh, part of that the documentary story. it will stay with me, I think, forever too, yeah. because that shows me too that just nickelodeon itself was not afraid to do anything and let's talk about this issue and let's like do it like way better than the adults are doing it yeah Yeah, the adult world is doing it and that that That, was that part was really great i'm glad you put that in there
2: that little chapter nick news is always to show people joke around about like yep when nick news came on that was time for me to go outside or go do something else and uh, I think it's funny because it's not a lot of people's favorite show, but I think that part is really the heart of our movie. That's the heart mm-hmm. and soul of our movie. So I hope it, it makes people view Nick News in a new light. Yeah. Oh,
1: you definitely um, did that to me because I did the same thing. I'm like Nick News, there was Nick News and then that clip of Magic and yeah. that little girl, the little girl stole. Crazy. like I'm like, what? Right. Like I was I, I took a second and I was like, oh my god. Like they did this on TV. On TV, and yeah. This was the thing. And like like Dan, like you're saying, like they're doing it, they were doing it better than the adults were doing it. They didn't
2: talk, they talked about some heavy stuff that kids absolutely need to learn about because you know the childhood is like that. It's it's over. And those people are the adults <laughs> that are, yeah. I have a nephew that just that's completing basic training in the army this month, you know? And it, wow. it was just, it seems like just yesterday, I was like putting him on my shoulders. Now he could put me on his shoulders yeah. and it happens like that, like that, you know what I mean? And the, all the kids that are watching these shows, Nickelodeon knew in just a few years, these are going to be the people that are like calling the shots in our country and yeah. they wanted them to be as well-equipped to handle the world as they could and uh thank god i mean they did a great job i think they did no they
1: did a great job wow i'm yeah i I gotta this is this is such a great great doc there's so much that you could have done this i'm sure like you could probably do a doc for each show that you went over
2: yeah i agree
0: i mean they could be a whole doctor's on keenan and cal because i know cal too like i mean his he was so his choices for the like the character he created and that uh, then went on to be Good Burger and all that stuff was really yeah. amazing to hear him talk about that. You never think that these things are happening in a backdrop, especially when you're watching in the 90s and your kids and stuff. And but then returning to it with like a new perspective and new eyes really makes you think like there was so much more happening here, and these
2: kids were like making choices for their yeah. Co- right developing. i mean the fact that yeah when he talks about that ed i mean ed is probably one of the most <laughs> iconic characters of 90s Nickelodeon. i mean really i struggle yeah. to find a character that's more when i think of like all that or any of that stuff i mean that's that's the character you know, welcome to good burger home of the good burger yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah that's exactly. so good <laughs> and the fact that they let him kind of make that character up i mean come yeah. on that's amazing. Yeah. Like, what other network is going to be like, hey, you're 16. Why don't you create a character? You know, <laughs> everyone else is like, hey, you're 16. You're going to do what I tell you to do. You know, that's what right. everybody else was doing and is doing to this very day, you know? Yeah, I
1: mean, you said it earlier in the, in the beginning of the podcast. You said it was all about creativity. Yeah. Like, you know, like what Disney is all about. It's a formula
2: it's like just and, different and
1: learning yeah like you know or other or, or other programs like and this was all about like yeah we're gonna let you create this and the kids seemed like
2: kids that you could you would hang out with that could be your oh, friends yeah. you know and that's the biggest difference you know disney channel i give props to all those kids on the mickey mouse club because they're fantastic entertainers they're all triple threats they can sing dance act do it all and, and look and are perfectly (laughs) handsome and beautiful, you know, and that's great that there's something to be said. Sometimes you just want to be entertained, sing and dance and let me watch you. But that can also make some kids feel like crap, you know, when you're overweight or underweight or you're way shorter than everybody else, way taller than everybody else. You have acne and you're looking at these perfect kids. It can sometimes make you feel like crap. So that's why I'm just glad there were options. You know, some kids I'm sure really love Mickey Mouse Club. And, but Nickelodeon, you know, they, if a kid had a zit, they let the kid have a zit. They weren't going to try to put makeup on it to cover mm-hmm. it up. Because guess what? Kids have zits.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's what, I mean, I wanted to be at Camp Anawana. Like, oh my uh,
2: God, me too. God. That's oh.
0: what, I, I wanted to be there. And it's funny. And like when Manny and I do this podcast, what's funny about my childhood is that Nickelodeon and all these shows, I've seen these shows. They, they're part of my memory. They're a big part of my life while at the same time my family didn't even have cable which meant that like even the impact of it right. was so heavy that and so positive and big on my life when i didn't even have cable to watch it but i had to watch it my uncle's house my cousin's house my friends houses like that it was on when i was there or i was putting it on when i got there so that meant yeah. that like it was amazing to kind of sit and watch the documentary and be like i remember all this even without cable in my house at yeah. all and that was that really crazy I think that really hit that me. is
1: crazy dan i didn't even think about that like yeah. that's how how deep it was like yeah. it's like the water it was like the water cooler talk for kids like you come to school you probably heard like oh you see that Nickelodeon it's like yo you gotta come over like I haven't come over like 100% you know know, like Snick
2: was absolutely like you know you everybody would watch it on Saturday and then on Monday you'd be like did you see that kid freaking with the monkey's paw bringing his parents (laughs) back to life that shit was nuts You know, absolutely, you yeah, know, yeah,
1: yeah, wow. Oh man, wow. are you afraid of the dark? Always remind me of when you got older, it was like Tales from the Crypt,
2: yep, like, it was, it was yep. like that
1: style, yeah, you know, yeah.
2: and it was crazy, you know, to kind of go back to how Mark Summers just acted like a regular adult game show host and how uh, all that had adult people like Coolio. Uh, are you afraid of the dark? It was scary, those yeah. shows didn't have, yeah, a they happy didn't hold ending. back. That's, that was literally
1: that. a nightmare machine like <laughs> you, you were going home you were going to bed and you were being like oh my god why did I just watch that and, but yeah. you wanted to watch it yeah if you can, the tale of
2: the dead man's float you can watch clips of that there's like a, a monster that comes out of the water and it's just as scary as stuff that was on you know tales from the Crypt or any of the creep show any of that that stuff wow. and a lot of them like I said the, the kids didn't win in the end. The kids would no. get killed by monsters at the end. And there you go. That's, how. It <laughs> uh, you know, that's crazy that nobody was like, oh, we can't do that. We got to have that. Make sure you yeah. can have some stuff that's a little spooky. Um, but mm-hmm. then you got to have the kids be okay at the end and make sure like, no, this was full on. We want kids to really have something that the same yeah. thing as the adults have. That's just nuts.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, they, and then they're gonna go watch Red and Stimpy and then you know, I was, well, Red is like banging himself in the head with a hammer trying
1: to. Get oh my gosh! I, I know mean,
0: all that stuff was just like um, unbelievable. I was. Uh, yeah. What well,
1: just a quick, and then this is a, probably a Google thing, but I'm just gonna ask you because you probably know. So. SpongeBob was a Nickelodeon, right? Yes. Is a Nickelodeon. Absolutely, that was yeah. after the gold, the the orange years, or like yes. kind of yes. like it so, was kind so, of like they. It comes from that. Yeah.
2: And what I kind of found was that um, Spongebob was the turning point. Mm. That's whenever it quit being this quaint, small, I mean, it it wasn't small. It was big, but it was still small enough that they could do crazy stuff. They could still experiment. And Spongebob, whenever they created Spongebob, that was their Mickey Mouse. At that point, Mm. they were on par with Disney every bit. You know, they were right there. Yeah. And so everybody, you know, like you said, you got investors. It wasn't the creator's fault. It was, you have, you have investors and money. People that are like, make me five Spongebob's. Like we're not going to be doing this other Pete and Pete. Are you afraid of the dark? This little stuff. I need stuff that can be made into toys and plush animals and rides mm-hmm. and video games and movies. Like that can be a multi-franchise like Spongebob. They were always trying to create another Spongebob after that. Mm-hmm. But Spongebob itself was created from the same pure place that Ren and Stimpy and Doug, they weren't trying to do that when they created SpongeBob. They were just trying no. to make another cool show.
1: If uh, you remember the first couple of like seasons, it looked very low budget. Like it was just fun. And then now, I mean, although yeah, I'm not, I'm not talking down on SpongeBob. But
2: yeah, no, I think as SpongeBob an adult, is I think
1: it's a great, great show, but like, <laughs> yeah, you could see the, the power of, I guess, uh, greed is, is yeah. what I say, you know? Right.
2: It's more the effect that it had after that cuz because, because SpongeBob became such a big hit there was no room for these little weird shows anymore you know and yeah it's just the way That's, it is
1: Dan and I don't have kids so I, I I do have um nieces and nephews and what are your kids are your kids watching Nickelodeon Nick Jr? They is are it... to an extent yeah what what I think is interesting
2: is the way that we watch media is so different like, we're experiencing at the same time. Like, I actually had to think about which shows that my kids watch mm. are Nickelodeon shows because mm. they watch them on Netflix or Hulu or YouTube. Oh, that's right, yeah. There are some Nickelodeon shows that they definitely do watch and I think are, are really good. It's just different now, you know? And I have a theory about that okay. because, you know, being in film and production, like I always wondered, I was like, why the heck do my kids watch these YouTube videos with no production quality, you know, it looks like it's just film or like a, uh, like a phone or something like that. And it's edited so poorly and it's just got stock music behind it. Like really they liked it. Like they rather watch YouTube than a real show. And I was like, why is that? And then whenever I did this documentary, I-, I realized that the reason kids watch Nickelodeon was because they wanted to watch kids that looked like them and reflected them and were real. Mm. Well, all kid shows now are about kids that are secretly a genius. You know, They are they secretly are a pop star or the kids on these shows don't look like real kids. We're kind of back to Mickey Mouse Club. They're all perfect and pretty and yeah. overly talented. And so kids, when they watch the live action shows on Disney and Nick, I don't think they see themselves at all. They see something phony. And so that's why they watch YouTube because it's YouTube is kind of like Nickelodeon. It's by kids for kids on their own terms. Those shows hmm. are just real kids it feels authentic it's just a kid playing with their toys or unwrapping something or playing video games but it's just like hey you look like me so i'm connecting with you
1: that's huge yeah that's a great observation um yeah because my nephew does watch someone play Play play-doh and i was laughing like what and i'm like yeah he and then he wants to go buy play-doh but like he's watching this woman well she's probably like 18 19 she unpacks it and like he's watching yeah. and, he, and now that you're saying it like it's exactly like a low budget show it's like that, a low budget Nickelodeon show yeah absolutely you know Man. and in the beginning of the documentary you mentioned even Nickelodeon started they they used to have crazy kids jumping out of planes and doing this and like kids were like I'm not into this like
2: it made them not feel that horrible. great yeah it made, <laughs> like
1: they, it made them feel they felt it, terrible
2: <laughs> it made them feel terrible instead of it, it does inspire you kind of but it also is like ah, yeah I'm,
1: yeah, like my parents can't afford a plane. Like, yeah, I'm exactly. Not really to- <laughs> exactly.
0: <laughs> yeah, right. It's like I can like have an imaginary friend, or I can maybe go to camp, or I can yeah. just be a kid at school, and that's what I can do. Um, so, like, yeah, like that's why maybe a show, a show like Pete and Pete or Clarissa, like they hit that those spots because it's like, oh, I can literally walk through the hallways in my school or walk out my door and there's the there's that person right or someone that's like that and i and also like the creators like they're creating from those spaces when like i mean not to jump all the way back to doug i mean but when i saw the creator of doug and i was like that's doug yeah like Like, no wonder it just came from those life experiences and the fact that like the way he explained it how like doug isn't popular but doug isn't also not popular he's right there in the middle he's a dude that just is there and I was like, wow, that's a whole other thing to think about. Because it I- was just an
1: average kid. Yeah. Which yeah. most people are. Most people are. Yeah. And
0: we're
2: coming from the 80s where it's like everybody in an 80s movie is either like the nerd or the jock or the stoner, like Breakfast Club, you know, which I think is yeah. a great movie. But it's like, it's all the archetypes. And even that movie plays with them. Like, it's not what you think. So I guess breakfast club is a bad example, but a lot of other like movies that imitated the breakfast club had like all that. And that's just not how most kids are. They're like, like you said, they're like, Doug, they're just, I'm kind of in the middle. Like I'm, I'm kind of, I I have friends, but I'm not popular, but I'm also not the total dork, you know?
0: Yeah. And even the girl that he liked, I mean, her voice, I mean, the fact how they found that voice and I mean, yeah, but that even plays on that. Like, it doesn't do that stereotypical thing of like, well, if this is the girl he likes, we're gonna give her this really like easy voice to listen to to hear. Yeah, it's like the nanny, like she's like right in your face with her. It's bullshit. a little abrasive, yeah. But that's
1: yeah. I love the commercial clip that you got though, because I remembered god. that commercial. Oh really? Did you? Yeah, I was that's like, awesome. oh my god, I remember this commercial, there, and uh, I thought it was great. A little fun
2: trivia, you know. Like I said, I I was getting clips wherever I could on YouTube. And I found a YouTube channel called uh, consumer time capsule. And that's where I found that clip. I was just searching for it. I was like, I got to find the clip that he's talking about. And I was searching and I, and I found it and I wrote the dude, I was like, can I use this clip? And he's like, yeah, what for? You know, and I told him and much like all of us, he's like, no crap, you're making a Nickelodeon doc. This sounds amazing. So we got to talking and he's like, yeah, we, we were, somehow we got talking on the phone about it. And then he was like, yeah. He's like, Hey, can I tell you something? And I'm like, yeah, what's up? And he's like, I've got a piece of the aggro crag. No. <laughs>
1: yeah. Holy nostalgia.
2: Like we, I didn't even know. Out of nowhere? All, all, well, as soon as I told him, like I'm doing a Nickelodeon doc, he's like, Oh, Hey, can I call you? And we can just talk about it. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Cause originally all I, I was just reaching out to him because I wanted to use this mayonnaise commercial that had Patty mayonnaise, uh, the voice of it on there and he's like oh that's cool you're making a nickelodeon doc he's like i gotta tell you something i got a piece of the aggro crack wow. and i was like what what are the odds you know and so yeah. in in the at the end of the movie when the credits are rolling we show a bunch of people um like fans and there's a dude with an aggro crack yeah. and that's him that's he's- him oh, yeah. Wow. yeah i was gonna
1: say like i love that part of two at the end yeah. was you showing like this one like it's like a gallery that has all the looks like it has the nose from double dare yeah. and it has the lockers and stuff yeah and then that, that was, guy and i yeah. was like oh this is so cool and then like you know how that everybody's like realizing that there are people like there us, are people like well, us yeah the show.
2: Mm-hmm. and yeah. it kind of mirrors like what adam and i went through we we're like we're like is anybody else gonna be like this and yeah the answer is yes uh and it started because when we started the documentary we didn't know who we were gonna get you know and we kind of wrote the plot of what we thought it would be but you don't really know until you're editing, you know, you don't really know what it's, you kind of write. I always say you write a documentary twice, you know, yeah. you write it original you should. You should kind of have an idea. So you're not just going into it blind asking people, you know, cause you're wasting people's time asking them questions that you know, aren't going to be in the documentary at all. So we interviewed some fans And then we're like, God, there's really no room for them, you know, because we got so many people from Nickelodeon and we were already struggling to get it to 90 minutes. We're like, there's no, where do we put them? And then we're like, Oh, the in credits, you know, (laughs) we get, we'll give those people. And there's a a company called Mondo that you might've heard of that they're based out of Austin and they do a lot of like re-releases like posters and stuff. And they have a gallery. And that was actually one of the very first things we ever filmed before we would film any interviews we uh because it's it was mondo is based out of austin texas so it was just we could just hop over there so oh, we wow. just we just went there they, they were doing a nickelodeon gallery right when adam and i decided we were going to do this wow. so it was literally the first thing we did where we just filmed a bunch of people uh and then it was great that we found a place to put it in the documentary yeah wow.
1: yeah wow. that was cool that was really cool i thought you guys like set that up <laughs> that's awesome that like I know, it's yeah. just, just so serendipitous like Wow! happened it know. just that's... happened
2: they were doing a yeah a gallery right when we were doing a documentary that's amazing. so we did it and those mondo mondo if if anyone isn't familiar check out their posters and stuff they've got really neat like kind of artistic re-releases of like movie posters and all sorts of stuff
0: yeah well oh, that's cool did everything that you wanted to get in there got got in there Or would you feel like were there things that you wish you got in the doc that you weren't able to get or things that you had to cut out that you're just like, Oh I wish they oh, would yeah. Put that in there.
2: I mean, it's funny. Like Adam and I pitched this so hard as a docu series. We tried to get people to buy it as a docu series oh, wow. and nobody would. And then once it's out, everyone's like, this should be a docu series. And we're like, yeah, we tried. And nobody was <laughs> like, we couldn't get anyone to buy it. And and I wish somehow, I don't know what the legality of this is, but if, if either we could maybe do a Blu-ray that's extended or, do like a, a Snyder cut later on? That's like
1: four <laughs> Did you hours watch long. That movie, by the way.
2: Uh, <laughs> I tried. I watched a little bit of it. I was like, "Why is this in four three? It doesn't make any sense."
1: <laughs> yeah, that's so funny that you said that. I thought something went wrong with my computer, and yeah. I'm like, "What? What?" And then I'm like, 4 three. We're not watching this on IMAX right now." Like everyone knows it's being like we're in the middle of what we're in, and like yeah. it's being released on uh, on. HBO Max like what are you doing like yeah what, yeah but I will say like a better storyline big than- time
2: and, and I think better. that it's awesome that that happened I hope that that happens more now that because uh, you always hear stories about how people are like oh yeah the movie that came out was nothing like what I made at all you know like you hear about that guy Josh Trank who did that Fantastic Four movie he's like oh yeah that's not even close to the movie that that I wanted yeah. to make at all they totally ripped it apart and made it you know so I'd love to see more of that happened where it's like let's do both because i get it like they could never have put it out as four hours to begin with but oh, you right. can do the director's cut you know more a mainstream release of the director's cut but you know adam and i are looking into like could we do a uh, like a four-part series or something like that because we have so much footage we have so really? much footage it's insane okay. um, so were there
1: and- shows that didn't make it in
2: they're not really um everybody that we talked to we used pretty much there was a, we were, we started working on a wild and crazy kids segment and that didn't make it in because we didn't get we couldn't get the footage from wild and crazy kids it's, mm. it's there's not high quality that's never been re-released and the only footage we could find and we didn't have enough behind the scenes footage we tried to always get footage that both we could have at least two people we wanted to have at least two people on a show right. And then uh, we wanted to have like footage that people hadn't seen. And, and there, we just it, it was just this whole thing. And it kind of, we couldn't find out where we wanted to put it. So that part kind of got cut. Um, and then the Nick at night part got cut. Mm-hmm. Um, so there were no like, I mean, all the interviews pretty much that we did, there was maybe three interviews that we did that didn't unfortunately make it in there. But all, I mean, everybody's interview was for like an hour, an hour and a half. So, I mean, you know, we could have done like Doug, Rugrats, Ren and Stimpy, like and Rocco, like the original Nicktoons. A full like 45 minute episode just on that you know like like maybe put two or three shows for each one and and do like a game show episode or something like that because we had so much footage nobody it's funny nobody wants to buy a a docu they're nervous to buy it but then they're saying they want it at the same time it's just weird that's weird it's funny that
1: they're they're nervous right now because i mean i'm not in the business so but everyone's just watching things and no one has anything to watch anymore i know we've binged watched for a year so like you can't watch the wire anymore although i haven't watched the wire and i need to i was told but like why wouldn't you because i know it's like
2: people it was only after the movie came out and it like got some traction and people liked it that they're like oh you should have made this into a docuseries like yeah remember we were trying to sell you guys on yeah. that You're like oh, i don't think, i don't think there's nickelodeon warrants a docu series you know wow it's like well if collecting exotic tigers can warrant a docu series <laughs> i yeah. think that nickelodeon could
0: right sure. like oh come on now that, that's like uh no, that been... that's short-sighted because like there was so much going on i mean i mean we could go on and on i mean we didn't even talk about the cube thing i mean but what i mean is like there's mm-hmm. so much in the foundation of yeah. what happens even before you even get to so much of this amazing stuff that you guys put together yeah that a docu-series would have been why not it's one of the most influential networks probably of all time uh, wow. at this point so i think that you know that was kind of short-sighted on people but i but i think like what you guys were able to accomplish in this documentary was just astounding to me that I, and it just, I think hopefully that like, what happens is that do, people do want more and that you yeah. have footage you have, and then you, or you could would get more funding to kind of keep digging because there's so much there that like, it, yeah, it would I think really, it's, love like it's already it. there.
2: We, we, all we would have to do is re-edit it. It's like, we wouldn't even really have to, I mean, we could shoot a couple more interviews, but yeah, it's like, With very little effort, we could expand this.
1: This uh, podcast is uh, brought to you by Lothology Brewing Company, owned and operated by Manny Quillo, one of the co-hosts of the Nostalgia Test podcast. Find Lothology Brewing at uh, lithologybrewing.com. It's based out of Long Island, Farmingdale, Main Street, 12 Beers on Tap, New York Wine and Spirits as well. So you keep saying you sold it. How many places did you sell it to?
2: So we sold, uh, we kind of found this out, the way it works is really like the idea of selling right to Netflix or right to Hulu or right to HBO, something that happens like so rarely. It does happen. Like, I don't know if you guys saw Class Action Park. Yes. Um, I need. I to love see. that. That what documentary do is What did amazing. you think?
1: I <laughs> liked have it. Have you been to Class Action Park?
2: No, I never had. I never I had. Mean, action Park? I have. Well, we
1: live right. Dan and I grew up near there. Okay. Like so York, it's not that far away from where we grew there. up. We grew up on Long Island and it that was where you went. Right, yeah. I went there three times.
2: No joke. Yeah, I went there and, once. And once was enough. Know how they
1: say it was like a badge of honor, like you survived Action Park.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: Every time I went, that loop thing was always closed. Has was- God, closed. thank God. And there was always the theory, like someone died on that thing, someone got stuck, and they're like yeah. no way, it was exact like. Everything about that documentary was so great. Cause I was just, I, I was like, I wish they interviewed me because like, oh my God, <laughs> it was exactly what that thing was. I'm like, oh, this, this was real. And it was so crazy to know that 15 year olds were running a park. Like, it's crazy <laughs> to think about that now. isn't I remember going off the slide and I was supposed to be 99 pounds. Like, I'm not telling them that I'm not 95 pounds, <laughs> right? They're like, Go. I didn't touch the slide till the bottom. That means I was just falling. Oh, like I was just falling. And like I then eventually hit the slide. Like I was like, oh, I could have died on that thing. So easily. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. They had like cliff diving. No one was like, there was a person watching you, but there's like, go. And people were just running and jumping off. Like no one cared. And people could
2: love. I thought that doc was really cool. Um, but you know they show they sold right to hbo so it happens but it's like so rare but uh, the majority of time like you sell to a distributor this is just what i've learned is like and then they sell it to they get it everywhere else and we are working with an awesome distributor called gravitas ventures uh after a couple we had a couple of mishaps people always are like the film debuted in 2018 and didn't come out until late 2020 what happened it was a whole nightmare where this 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 company um, that we really thought was going to be the company that made us, we came and was going to buy it and then tried to not put it out and shelve it. It was just a whole God. nightmare. We were able to get it back. And then uh, Gravitas came in and was like, we want it. Uh, and they, they're the same people that own the Ren and Stimpy dock. And they also have uh, Wolfman's got Nards. Have you seen that? It's the, it's the monster squad doc. What? Oh, God. Yeah, dude. Oh, it's really? amazing.
1: Check it you out. Know, that's our. That's our. Like one of our tests coming up next year in the, during the Halloween. I was like, uh, maybe you could. Monster
2: maybe Squad. you could get him on there. Uh His name is Andre. I, I don't know him or anything, but but yeah. the kid, the main kid. Uh, I think his name was Sean in Monster Squad. He's the director of the film. Stop.
1: He oh directed the Monster Squad doc. Wolfman's yeah. got nards. Wolf.
2: Wolf and the, that's what the, the documentary is called. Wolfman's got nards. Uh, so they had a lot of documentaries and, and I had friends that had sold to Gravitas and they're great. They're awesome. Um, and so they put it out and they've now, I mean, right now, it, anywhere you can rent or buy movies digitally, like transactional video on demand is what I've learned the technical term for it. It's there. iTunes, Amazon, Google Play, uh, Red Redbox Digital, that's a thing. Uh, <laughs> Fandango, Vudu, like any of those places where you can like you know, pay. And it's not that much money to like buy it or rent it. Uh, you can, you can do it. It's, it's everywhere. Oh,
0: everyone's got to watch it. I mean, it's really amazing. So you sold to them.
1: Yeah.
2: Gravitas bought it and now they're selling it to to, all uh, the other places. Yeah. They're getting it.
1: Like I'm getting deep on this. Did you, do you make extra for certain sales or just,
2: yeah. Yeah. So the way that it works is, uh every time they sell it, uh, I mean, they get a percentage and we get a percentage, basically. Okay.
1: So it's like, yeah, it's like beer distributing, like we okay. sell them. And then,
2: yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're they they're us. kind of like a like a distributor. <laughs> they're like a sales company. Yeah. So they're they are they are the ones that got it on IT. And thank God they did, because yeah, it's not it's something that like you think like I'll just do it myself. It's like, nah. They got us written up in Rolling Stone and the Nerdist and all stuff that we could have never done ourselves, you know. Yeah, and, they got and, a whole crew. They got a whole crew, Let like, let the professionals do what they do so that I can just focus on the more artistic stuff. But they got us everywhere. Like, I mean, it's everywhere. It's everywhere like that. You can rent movies uh, online. Um, They've done a great job. And um, yeah, it's been out for a little while now. And hopefully, you know, who knows where it'll go next. They're continuing to get it more and more places. Blu-ray and DVD is also available on Amazon, too, for people that still like a physical copy. Oh, Oh, wow. Great. They designed all of it and it's it looks good and it's, uh, wow. they got it out there. That's, I mean, the, the most important thing they're doing. Well, I definitely
1: I love it and wish you luck on yeah. it. And, uh, I can't wait to blow this thing up and keep telling people that they need yeah. to buy it.
0: Everyone has to rent, oh, buy it, watch it, watch it with your friends. This is like one of those things that people need to just. It, it's something that you could keep watching and find something new like when you see it because there's so much in it there's so much going on and it also made me want to go back and watch these shows again and then rewatch other things so I feel like there's just, like <laughs> an amazing relationship between like your documentary and these shows and co- go, and returning to them and stuff like that and um, it really was an amazing experience and I feel like yeah, it was such a privilege to kind of see it and even sit here and talk to you. I, I feel like there was just, we, we could go on for hours. I, I like, so we could. Many things that- yeah.
1: You know what you're doing is also, you're going to get old friends to start talking to each other when we're all allowed to like actually hang out with each other. I know. Um, right. And someone brings up like, Oh, did you see the Nickelodeon card, uh, documentary? And then instead of Googling, you could actually be like, yeah, Doug was on like, I feel like you guys are going to cause like more social interactions. Um, I hope so. this comes out. Yeah. So yeah, I uh,
2: hope so. I mean, it's just, it's a, po- it's a very positive documentary and yeah. the world is such a dark, crazy, cynical place <sighs> now. Yeah. And you know, if you just want to kind of get up, fun nostalgic blast i i I hope that we we can give that to some people you know and then shoot and it gives you something to shoot for too you know maybe the world can can be uh like that again but even better you know an even even better place than it was
1: well before we go though hold on i'm putting this i'm gonna ask you (laughs) our first movie i don't know if you heard our first episode but i have an obsession with cocktail did you ever see that movie
2: yeah with tom cruise yeah okay
1: what? Is, what's your feeling about cocktail?
2: God, it's been so long. Yeah, I mean, it's like, it's like whenever you could make a movie like the like the over the top. The eighties were like, <laughs> you know, like let's make a movie about uh, arm wrestling. Oh, um, cool. Let's make a movie about a guy who's like a, a bartender and makes cocktails. Like, okay, I mean, yeah,
1: yeah. It was like the original mixology movie. Yeah, was, yeah, yeah. He, we dissect it. I love it for because of how cheesy and bad it. It's it's yes. bad. I know that. And and like if you listen to the episode, I like Dan hates it. Well, I just, like I have this yeah. like fascination with Tom Cruise that Tom, you know, Tom Cruise is just Tom Cruise in every movie. Yeah, totally. Like in in eighties and nineties, like they're entertaining. Like you know, and that movie has such a bad rating on uh, Rotten Tomatoes, and <laughs> I want it to be better. And as like because there's been other movies that we reviewed. I'm like, how is this better? How is this rated better than Cocktail? And I was like, the movie's about nothing, right? But it's so cheesy. I think yeah. it's so good. Like there's so many one liners that Coglin, yeah. the his is basically Obi Wan of bartending. Oh my like, god! Is him? Is That's like- right. It's so yeah, good.
0: like that has a seven percent Rotten Tomatoes r-
1: rating, Jeez. and
0: then we talked about Killer Clowns from Outer Space, and that has a bigger, a better rating than. And we were like, "How did that happen?" But yeah. like, it was just one of those movies like that started this whole podcast, and like. um we, yeah, uh, to me, I felt it was just a nostalgic movie. I, I can't let it pass
1: that uh, <laughs> line into being good. You know, I know I know it so well, Scott. That I, if I start watching it, you shut off the the volume. I can. You can
2: say every that, word.
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was you my know, mom's favorite movie, so they, oh, I used okay. to watch uh, my mom so all the time. So weird. Which is such a weird movie to watch your mom. <laughs> Think about <It's> it. True. <laughs> there,
2: there was a show that was on Nickelodeon. Like so many of their shows hold up. So many Nickelodeon shows hold up, but there's one that absolutely does not. And you should, everybody should go watch this. It was called 15 and it was a soap opera for little kids. Exactly, no one ever remembers that. Because <laughs> it didn't last 15? very long and everybody that, yeah, everybody that watched it forgot about it because it was so bad, but uh, it was a soap opera for little kids. So right there, it's flawed from the beginning because oh little God. kids don't want to watch a soap opera and it's like dramatic over the top acting. But here's the thing. It was the first ever acting job or like real acting job of Ryan Reynolds. Dead. Oh,
1: wow.
2: And he's like 13. He's like, I just want to be in a band. He's like, like, oh, they kicked me out of my band. Like he's so (laughs) upset about getting kicked out of a band. Oh, It's it's all Canadian. It's all Canadian. The Canadian accents are so thick. Yes. um i did a I did a podcast called that aged well we kind of similar they kind of like this yeah yeah but and but they really take apart like sh- stuff that was horrible and really take the piss out of it you know and they're like you want to be on there but we're going to be making fun of something so what nickelodeon do you want to make fun of and i was like Can it be 15? Because one, that show deserves to get made fun of. And also like, I didn't really want to make fun of one of the shows that like I interviewed somebody for. Yeah. Yeah. Like, hey, thanks for the free interview. I'm going to make fun of your show now. Yeah. Uh, And so they agreed to do it. And so we just roasted 15. It's like, check it out. It's a ridiculous, it's a ridiculous show. It's like, nobody acts like this. It's like, who wrote, it's like troll two level of bad. Oh my God. Dialogue is just like, what? Like nobody speaks like this. Yeah.
0: Wow. Well, Scott, thank you so much. This was so much fun. We are so happy that you were able to come on and that you reached out. And I, this was, this was amazing for, for us. I, I think that, I don't know, Manny. I mean, yeah,
1: I, there's nothing I, I more that, than I, I keep repeating it, but this is, this is yeah. a really great film. I'm really pumped for you guys. Uh, I can't wait to see what else you guys are coming. Yeah. With and I hope the production company gets even more shots of doing stuff and I can't. I'm, I was really excited. Yeah. Um, and like you've given me and Dan plenty of lists to, uh, to, and, to go back to these shows and just gonna watch them and try to uh, put them to the test. But I already know that pretty much everything that's in that, in that, uh, document, yeah,
0: I'm I, definitely going back to watch PD. You know, I have to now, yeah, like, I have to.
2: Um, so. but you should, P yeah. is fantastic. But everyone- and it was probably, it was somewhere close to where you guys were. I think it was like based out of like new jersey or something Mm -hmm. i think is where it was all shot yeah it was serious man that that
1: part that part uh and this is a nostalgia test tangent and that's a nostalgia test tangent but that part when uh he's letting go of his oh my god imaginary friend or what and like (laughs) yeah like growing up and i was like oh man just imagine like that yeah being that age you know
2: yeah that hit me i can remember that hitting me in the feels back then when i watched it even and then definitely now where you are like God, i can remember that like that time period where you're a kid but you're not a little kid anymore and you kind of have to let go of these things you just you just know it's time but you're not really i can remember like you know like playing with toys you oh, know I it's just like say that it, i went from being proud of my toys when my friends would come over i'm like look at all my action figures to now like when my friends would come over i'd be like hiding them you know because i'm like oh if they find out i play with toys they're gonna like make fun of me uh you know and it's like this is time to stop doing this stuff you know and it's just such a such a bittersweet time because you know something new is coming up like dating and all that fun stuff is right it's but it is sad that you have to let go like just when you're comfortable with who you are Mm. as like a a a kid you gotta let that person go and Mm. go into a totally new world
1: yeah, yeah, that's wow. crazy because funny thing is that you went through that. That means your friends who you're hiding it from was going through yeah. the same totally. thing. Yeah, like totally. I, probably- I was telling my wife that I remember the day that the last time I played with toys in the tub. Wow. And I was like, wow. she's like, you remember that day? I'm like, yeah, because it was like, I just told myself, like, it's, it's time to be done with this. It's
2: time to stop. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And I was like, I can't believe as a kid I thought that. Like I actually you know, like think about the kids like, oh, they're immature, but like, that's like a kind of a very mature, like thing to think about. Like, no, this will be the last time I do this. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah, let it go. And that's bittersweet, man. That's yeah. Yeah. Wow. And now we're uh, all living nostalgically. uh, And we have friends that have like, they love to show their toys that they have and stuff. So I know it comes full circle.
0: Yeah. Wow. Well, everybody find you know go out watch the the orange years the nickelodeon story it's amazing it's gonna hit you in all the right spaces and really it's gonna make you just like really love and appreciate not just your childhood again but like all the amazing hard work that went into making your childhood probably one of the greatest childhoods of all time i mean seriously that's what i felt like after watching this and scott thank you once again for coming on i um, am we're totally appreciative and uh for your time and uh everyone we'd love to hear your thoughts shoot it you know shoot us a message let us know uh, what you think on uh, the website and when the episode goes up and um, yeah that's it thanks everyone
2: dan manny the pleasure was all mine i had a blast and if you ever need anything nickelodeon related please give me a shout oh of definitely. course
1: Absolutely. oh we're putting you to test in some episode.
2: yeah <laughs>
1: we're gonna call you out and you're gonna do a whole whole the stop the test podcast test how crazy it gets and the tangents will get crazy oh boy so.
0: well everyone thanks so much uh with you in the next episode thanks for listening to today's episode please subscribe to the nostalgia test podcast to know when new episodes drop don't forget to leave us five stars and a positive review so more people can find the podcast share your thoughts and memories on today's topic on our twitter at nostalgia test and on instagram at the nostalgia test Tune in next time because you never know what pop culture will pop up on The Nostalgia Test.